Hi, Ollie here. Quick apology at the top. If my audio sounds a bit echoey, uh, it's because I was doing it in a room that I hadn't really bothered to treat because uh, it was my last day of quarantine. I was going to leave it and I thought, oh, I can just fix that in the edit. Turns out I can't. So apologies for that. Uh, hopefully it should sound better next week. And also thank you very much to those who have supported the show in the last couple of weeks. We'll be thanking you later in the show, but also a special thanks to our corporate sponsor this week, which is an organization that offers free English lessons. Are you looking for free online English lessons? Let us be your conversation partners. We can help fine-tune your grammar, teach you new vocabulary, and also maybe save you? We can talk about real subjects that you'll encounter in real-life interactions, like the economy, the media, and other things that Jews control. Or we can talk about fun, light topics like your favorite Hollywood movie stars and which ones are Satanist pedophiles. You'll be sure to practice lots of new and interesting words and phrases that will come in handy when you travel or if you ever have to recount our conversations to a federal agency. So find us online today. Just open up an incognito browser window and do a search for QAnon Japan. The news media says we're a thing. Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Stephen Case, lecturer, live event producer, and the co-founder of Tanuki Board Games, which recently published the first ever River Cruise-themed tabletop game. It's being described as like Settlers of Catan, except instead of settling Catan, you're settling for playing a game about river cruises. Stephen, thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. Nice to be here. On this week's show, in honor of Golden Week, we're going to look at all the hottest travel destinations and what to do on your week-long vacation adventures. Just kidding, Stephen is going to tell us about how to make being a lonely foreigner at home during a pandemic feel a little less depressing. Plus, Ollie's got your weekly River Cruise recommendation. Yes, this week's recommendation is one for the futurists. A Sanomia-based company have partnered with Elon Musk to develop river cruises on Mars. They're now accepting volunteers to take part in a no-gravity river cruise simulation. And Musk says that the next step with this partnership is to finish calculating the acceptable number of inevitable casualties. And in light of a very welcome uptick in our paid subscription memberships, Ali and I are going to have an in-depth discussion about the ethics of Ali continuing to promise to buy a riverboat on our Buy Me a Coffee page. But first, Soap Talk. Real quick, Brian, uh, we need to apologize to you. We've been giving you a hard time for not joining as a member, and we forgot that we grandfathered you in as a member so you didn't have to pay. So if it's cool, uh, could you buy a second membership? Yes. Thank you. Stephen Case, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm really happy to be here. Um, it's good to see you, Bobby. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a bit. Uh, we all performed together at Comedy Fukuoka, um, which we want to talk about a little bit today because we're going to be talking about communities. Uh, can you remind me how you and Ollie first met? Um, I met Ollie uh, just after I came to see the second ever Fukuoka comedy show. Um, I'm outside, had a very brief chat, and um, everything from there has been wonderful. H how was the second ever comedy show? It was pretty good. Um, it was a, a headliner from Korea, I believe, Ollie, if my memory serves correct. Yes. And sat in the front row. I think one of my friends mildly heckled Ollie. And it was, yeah, it was extremely well produced. I wasn't expecting much. Actually, I think my first interaction with Ollie 
was to tell him that the date for his comedy show was wrong online <laughs> when I bought As the tickets. As it often was. Yeah, and it often um, was. that's definitely how our relationships continued with me continuously, um, I don't know, correcting his mistakes, I guess. Yeah, me, me bullishly plowing ahead and you being like, what, what's that sport where they polish the ice before the puck eventually gets to the... Um, curling, I believe. That's the one. Curling, yeah. curling. That's, that's what your role's been. You, you've thrown too hard and i got to slow you down. Is that what I'm saying? <laughs> Ali is the puck and you're holding the broom and you're trying to direct him. That, that reminds me, I've completely forgotten, but one issue that I used to have was I really liked the name Friday Night Comedy, but then we moved, we moved the shows to a Saturday. So, <laughs> but I kept the name Friday Night Comedy. So we would have Friday Night Comedy on a Saturday and I thought it was funny, but obviously it, it caused genuine problems for the people that were dealing with the bookings. <laughs> Yeah, isn't it weird how you give something a title that doesn't accurately reflect what it is, and then it causes real problems for you? <laughs> you might as well call it Tuesday Night Ballet, and then uh, yeah. hope, hope that a comedy audience shows up. Yeah, well, that wouldn't be the, the maddest name we've come up with for, for a show, would it? Uh, Stephen and I have, have since, with that one little kernel, uh, I, think, I think by show four, you were co-producing the shows. You went from front row seats to uh, backseat uh, driver I, to I, actual I, I driver now. I believe I headlined the fourth show with <laughs> yeah. a storming bit about The Little Mermaid. There we go. Hmm. And although I, I wouldn't say you were our most notable headliner. No, I wouldn't. Uh, well, how do we, who did we have over the years? Uh, <coughs> Bill Wang, Josie <coughs> Long, Steve Hofstetter. Like, it, we were a genuine thing there for a few years. It, Bobby was, Judo. it was fantastic. <coughs> and Bobby Judo as well, yes. And Since Bobby comedy... Judo. <laughs> <laughs> But we kind of made a pact to ourselves that ever since we first did a, a comedy festival together, we said, right, that's it. We're going to Edinburgh every year. You know, come what may, we're going to find a way to make this work. And then, of course, last year it didn't happen. This year, it now seems like it might not be happening, despite the fact we've been planning a lot and coming up with new, new shows to do. We, um, we haven't really taken to the online thing like other promoters have, have we? No, I've always preferred the live thing. And the few online shows I have been involved with, I... I didn't enjoy very much to be honest i think um i think i prefer the live experience much more and i'm I'm ready to get back to it. i always i promised when we started doing festivals i would continue to do them till i'm 40 and then reevaluate i i think i became spiritually 40 this year so we're gonna have to uh have to think about how many more years we're gonna keep doing this yeah well well, well one advantage of steve and i not traveling around the world putting on shows at festivals is that we've had all this time to do loads of online stuff with Bobby. And one of those things was our online gratitude show for all the people that gave us money on Buy Me A Coffee after Bobby gave the Mayday call, which happened last Friday and was great fun. Thank you if you were one of the dozen or so people that turned up. Yeah, um, we wanted to put out a show last uh, week, but with Ali's move back to England and everything going on on my end, it was just a little bit too hectic. As Ali said, traveling internationally can disrupt your podcast recording schedule. But we had a great live show. So many people came. We talked about a lot of fun stuff. We'd like to do more live stuff in the future, uh, which is one of our goals for our Buy Me A Coffee page, which we are now even closer to reaching. Can we do a quick run through and say thank you to all of the people who donated? Oh, it's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot. Starting with Gregory Sokolov, who's a member. Thanks so much. Chad, who joined as a member, and Gregory also then went on to give us $1 per episode so far, which is very kind. You don't have to go that far, but if you did, we would be 
profitable. Yeah. <laughs> and also, also now's the cheapest time to do it. If you wait next week, it'll be a dollar more expensive. Uh, <laughs> um, also, Vincent uh, bought some stickers. Thank you very much. Lori, thank you. Being Kansai, thank you. Brad bought a magnet. We've got new merch up on the page. Please go check it out. Uh, Kai Takahashi uh, also said something nice about the podcast. Brian Waters also said something nice. Literally wrote the word something nice. We got an anonymous five coffees uh, and Kilzer. Once again, thank you. Lawrence, Dennis, Glenn in Oz, uh, and then a couple of people that wanted to remain anonymous. Thank you so much. Stephanie became a member. And while we were recording the extras, Anna bought us five coffees saying, Turbulent times, you're bringing silliness and open bracket, reasonably often close bracket laughs to our lives. If you would like to provide some light and shade by buying us a coffee and also <laughs> suggesting we could be funnier, uh, then please do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Japan by River Cruise. We'll stop going on about it now, but well, we're so damn grateful for you all. Thank you. And it's because of you guys that we got another huge piece of amazing news this week. We want to share this with you. This is 100% legitimate. Our podcast has been selected <laughs> by Top Panelists at feedspot.com as one of the top 10 river cruise podcasts on the web. <laughs> there are six, they selected six podcasts, not by algorithm, that's for sure, definitely by panel. And uh, we weren't even in the top three, Bobby, but we're going to work hard for you guys. Wait, we're going to continue to work hard. There are only six, and we were in the top four. So. <laughs> top four, baby. And what's interesting is there are podcasts about river cruises, like us, of course. I think we might have to do some kind of collab for episode 100. Let us know. Send us an email if you want us to uh, to use our credentials uh, to further solidify our reputation as the thought leaders in the Japanese river cruise industry. Yeah. Thank you to Feedspot. Uh, please go check them out. We recommend them as your number one spot for feed. <laughs> Let's take a look at the news. Bobby, do you know what's in the news this week? Well, Golden Week officially starts today, so everybody, I hope you've got nothing planned. It means nothing this year. It's a golden state of emergency. And the reason that I wanted to bring Stephen on the show is Stephen, one thing that Stephen is incredible at is community building. And I didn't really realize this was a thing. But you know when you turn up to a party and it's really good? That's normally because there's one or two people like Stephen who have made a real effort to bring the right people there. And I'm not talking about like a CD club rep, like, yeah, I'll get your table. I'm talking about someone that actually cares. And one of the reasons why Comedy for Corker was... Stephen, you've never invited me to a party. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lie. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> never accepted and never invited are two separate, yeah, separate verbs. Yeah, whenever, whenever we invited you something, you'd send us an invoice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thought that's uh, what we did. And but what, what, one thing that comedy for Corker was, uh, in addition to a comedy club, was a community of people, and, and and a lot of people just made friendships around that. And I definitely think that that was Stephen's doing, not mine. I was entirely self interested. Well, I think th this is relevant outside of just comedy for Kuoka because one of the key factors that really determines the quality of life for immigrants in Japan. Uh, is their connections to the local expat community, their connections to their peers. Uh, and we at this podcast exhaustively observe these uh, connections with their peers, mostly via our Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it seems to make people either very miserable <laughs> or very narcissistic. Yes. <laughs> or, or there is a third <laughs> category of people, which is the people that turn up to Stephen's board game meetups, which are just nice, 
generally well-rounded individuals who are living a life uh, that is connected to, but also distinct from their identity as someone who lives in Japan. So the secret to being a well-rounded expat is board games. Not, board games. not just board games. In being involved with anything that defines you more than just being someone who lives in a foreign country. The reason I wanted to talk about this topic is a friend of mine last year, he said to me, he's doing his PhD. And he said, you know, I came to Japan and I'm doing my PhD. I didn't come to Japan to do my PhD. I could have done my PhD anywhere, really. Mm. And the fact that lockdown has happened means he's just doing his PhD in an apartment by himself. And he never really came to Japan. And it, and it got me thinking about, and he was very, very grateful about like the small events that were still kind of happening in between lockdowns because it, it made him feel like he was part of community, like he was living somewhere, like it wasn't just he was, you know, doing a PhD. And I like that distinction. I always thought like I didn't come to Japan to be an English teacher. I came to Japan and I was an English teacher. You know, and being in Japan, I wouldn't have been an English teacher in my own country. That wasn't an aspiration. Aspiration was travel. And um, coming here and being part of a community was was really important to me. And I wonder how many more people are out there in the last year, like like my friend, who didn't have as robust a social life before the pandemic and so have been kind of trapped for a year. Well, it's got to be a really, really bizarre year for a lot of these like long-running institutions that bring foreigners into Japan. I did a talk um, to a group of Jets in Saga just a few weeks back. And when I was planning it, in my planning, I, I've done these before, and I always try to ask, you know, what year are you on? You know, where are my third years? Where are my second years? Where are my first years? And I kind of had to go like, there might not be any first years this year. And I think there were only two. That's yes. Uh, and, th and that's really interesting that we do think about, when we think about event planning, we think about foreigners coming in waves. And one of the things that was always in our discussions, you know, Steve and I, we worked with some people that were venue owners and people that were promoting other club nights. We'd all try and work together. And you expect in March, April, there to be a new wave of people. And what you do is you identify the socialites amongst the new jets, amongst the new students in each of the universities. And once you've got those people on board, it's actually very easy to fill a venue with people. It's, it's actually quite easy to, to sell a show. And of course, this year, there's none. They, these nodes don't exist, do they? This could have been the early year, Bobby. You could have shout, where are my six years at? And there would have been some because some of the Jets did get <laughs> extended this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of everything. Yeah, I've done that talk a couple of times too, Bobby. Once uh, as my just as myself and once with Tanuki Games. And they were always great recruiting grounds for just like, you know, for comedy, for, for events, for like just any mad plan that I wanted to do as an event, you know. Anything, yeah. um, you know, and that, that the support of the, the new waves of people is very important. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting you're talking about waves because, you know, one thing I, we deal with quite a lot with all the events is making sure that there's a constant new members because so many people leave. And I, half a dozen people I know who are regular members of events, either students or, or, or teachers or, you know, startup people who have quit Japan this year because of various reasons not all bad some just went home to get jobs and yeah. you know and see their families and stuff but like without now the, those groups have dwindled and it's like is there enough people in the group to keep those communities going once we want to start get going in a few months again well this is like that is it a Greek fable about a boat that keeps getting rebuilt and eventually all <laughs> of the wood has been replaced like what what does it mean to be a community when you have a meetup and all of the members have changed what is it that means that you've 
you've successfully generated a community that that can uh, transcend the individual members that that make it up week by week. Well, um, I think you've answered your own question by the fact that you, when you create a community that's strong enough, like for example, comedy, and you know when you when you when you left comedy, Ollie, and the thing that you started in a community that you built, it continued, and that's that's a sign of something that that's happened and it continued quite naturally and quite organically with new members and different people and and you could come back and slip straight back into that community in fact i hope you come back next year and slip straight back into that community for a few weeks <laughs> for a few and weeks. that's that's a sign of something strong that's as long as i get uh, his food on <laughs> One of the things that I always noticed about Comedy Fukuoka is that my kind of image of a comedy scene would, would be that it would all be kind of English speakers or people from places with English-speaking comedy scenes. But it wasn't just that. It was all sorts of non-Japanese people living in Fukuoka. And so I'm wondering if there's something about being an immigrant or being an expat um, that gives you access to a different kind of social life or requires you to have a different kind of social life than you would if you were back home. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, maybe it's less intimidating. I mean, you've already made the step to live in another country. And so it's actually a very small step. I, I don't think I would have started doing stand up unless I had moved to Japan, because in London, I don't think I, I would have been intimidated by it, perhaps. Mm. And the fact that I knew the community that was already happening in, well, that's kind of a blessing, I think, for sure. Yeah. There's definitely that. There's a sense that it's easier to take more risks or, you know, maybe not be as embarrassed by certain things or to try new things. Um, but there's also a smaller pool of people, which can be a downside as well. I think most people in Japan have a couple of friends that they would not have if they had other options. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I genuinely don't know why Bobby lingered looking at the webcam at me then. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I did not. That That is a lie. That's, do you know what, Bobby? That's that's a good thing. You know, that's actually a good thing to meet people that you necessarily wouldn't have, have met. You've got actually, you might say it's a limited pool of people, but it's actually a very broad group of people to be friends with does that make sense like the fact that it's actually a, a lot yeah, of different it's a more together. diverse group than you yeah. might have had from the people you might naturally gravitate towards exactly that however they do all share a commonality and i think a lot is said about how you know you're meeting people in japan that you might never meet in your own country and you know when i think about my school or my university it was a lot of people that looked and sounded like me and in japan i was making friends with people from new zealand from guatemala from nigeria all around the world However, there is some commonalities between these people because, first of all, they're self-selecting people that have made the decision to go and start a new life in a new country. And that's a personality trait that's not shared uh, by most people in the world. So I think already like, th there's a certain degree of kinship you have with people that have taken that risk and decided to either reinvent themselves or to just create a new challenge or to uh, start a new chapter in their lives. And yeah. that that is a great leveler, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. And also you've got to factor in that, that almost everybody has also been educated to a university level as well. And that 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 sort of self-selects and yeah. Let's specify Westerners here because not, not all foreigners in Japan are here on kind of like an educated track or a career track. Um, mm. we, should, we should specify, especially in Japan, that I think there's something that unites Westerners is specifically. Westerners in Japan have something in common i don't know people who pick up and 
move from the West to Japan to start a new life tend to have a certain level of educational or like a certain level of perfect professional we all think we're better than everybody else that's what, <laughs> what i'm trying to get at here uh, <laughs> uh, it's actually quite funny that you that you mentioned about the the fact that yeah this this is very much a western thing that said uh, i remember people we, we had uh, a, a fairly strong nepalese uh contingent of people that would sometimes come to comedy shows and do open mm-hmm. mic and some of them were it's true were students they were educated but some like that nepalese community was a community of itself and it's some a huge were community here yeah, yeah. And, and some were there because they had family here some were here because they were uh working temporarily and so i mean i, I do definitely think that i've made friends that there's absolutely no way i would have had the opportunity to come in contact with them uh in, in any other place and the reason for that is not because they're not there but it's because it's not easy to develop a friendship where you're co- uh, co- consistently kind of meeting them and interacting with them over over a period of weeks and months. And that's really how you develop friendships, isn't it? It's not just like meeting someone isn't enough. You have to meet someone and be familiar with them over a sustained period of time before you can start considering them anything like a friend. And mm. that's, uh, that's again, what's been maybe missing the, the last year is, is, you know, and, and how do we, how do we, how do we start that all up again? We were, talking to those bar owners just this week about the new cohorts and the new t- people coming in and the, the 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 people I was speaking to were saying there are no new people and you know what does what does that mean for the uh for the sort of foreign community going forward over the next couple of years you know not only not having that new influx but also having less opportunities to get together yeah absolutely i i certainly miss it so in terms of your board game company and doing the board game nights and things like that, uh, have you found ways to transition to doing things online? Absolutely. We, we started doing a lot of um, stuff at the beginning of the pandemic. It's transitioned back to like uh, real life. Um, I don't know how agnostic you are on board games, Bobby, whether you're a fan. I know Ollie's very scornful. I'm okay with board games. Yeah, um, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, Ollie, I'm Ollie's... scornful. <laughs> Ollie, Ollie likes to win. And if he doesn't win, then the rules are wrong. But you have slowly tried to persuade me that it's not it's not admitting defeat that you need to have. It's like if you if you're at a bar and you need a board game to maintain a conversation, it's like you're having sex with your partner and you need to bring in a. OK, I'm not going to I'm just not going to bother with this. That, that sounds it's fun, just... too, Ollie, to be honest, right there. <laughs> I mean, the point you're making is not really the point you're making. Self-defeated. Okay. I, I would say to you, Ollie, right back at you. Couldn't you just tell? Couldn't you tell your jokes to your friends and leave it at that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Stephen, does Tanuki Games have any games which work audio only? Uh, we we can play a little one that we made as an educational game called uh, So Says Japan, which is basically um, Family Feud. I believe it's called in America. Family Fortune in the UK. Uh, oh, you're allowed to do that. Yeah, Just yeah. Take, take someone else's format and rebrand it. Uh, uh, m- mechanics of games are are not um, copyrightable, um, so uh, uh, you can mm. fact check that, Ollie. Later, uh, <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have a we're gonna but have a bit, actually, of a bit of a chat later, Stephen. Yeah, but um, there's, there is a, there is a sort of unwritten code in the board game industry that um, like you you just don't outright copy um, people's other um, board games. You know, you always put a twist on something. You're actually, again, uh, this might be in your uh, your wheelhouse. Cue jingle. No, um, no, I've not prepped. <laughs> <laughs> but the rule book, the text of the rule book, is copyrightable, but not the mechanics the rules describe. 
Hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's believable. Yeah. Um, so uh, Let, is let's that... play. <laughs> okay. So this game called So Says Japan, um, Family Feud, Family Fortunes, uh, based on just surveys of... Uh, Those are definitely about... trademarks, by the way. <laughs> I think so. Just so says Japan is uh, is copyrightable though because it's a logo and a, I can't believe I'm the one that's uh, telling you to move on from good. the copyright chat. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, we surveyed around 300 uh, Japanese about university, but you know are mostly 18 to 30 year olds. Uh, what type of emoji do you use the most? Okay, what type of emoji do you use the most? A little bit different to Family Fortune. I'll tell you that uh, the top five answers in no particular order were the uh, thumbs up emoji, the crying emoji, the smiling emoji, and I don't use emoji. Those were the top five answers. And you surveyed uh, mostly Japanese university students? Uh, Japanese people aged 18 to 30, roughly. Crying yeah. face. Uh, the crying I... face you think is number one there, Bobby. Okay, straight in there with the answer. <laughs> I think I, like I have that. some insight for this because I remember going to a talk by someone that worked for Line who showed all the different emojis all the different line stamps that were used uh, around the world and they'd aggregated the data and the top ones used by japan were the ones which showed consent or uh, understanding or agreement and the the one in france was the was the one which showed love uh, and the one in thailand was the one which showed gratitude and it's funny that like all the the most used stamps kind of fitted the the national stereotype so i'm gonna say it's probably the thumbs up mm. I think that's, that's 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 good reasoning. I'll tell you that, uh, Bobby, you've chosen the the bottom one. I don't know uh, what that says about your state of mind right now, but uh, crying is the least favorite <laughs> of the five. Um, thumbs up was number three, and oh, I, I, okay. it's quite surprising. Um, you know, like a lot of people ask us, you know, is the data real? I don't think I could make this up because I wouldn't put I don't use emoji at number two. Um, mm, I certainly wow. wouldn't have guessed that's the answer. And smiling being at number one, which is uh, yeah. Um, okay. Do you sleep with point. your um, Do you sleep with your smartphone? Yes or no? Very simple. In what sense? <laughs> <laughs> how lo how lonely are we? In the I haven't turned off my alarm sense, or because <laughs> uh, that means it still be buzzing. Yes. So this is just a yes or no. This is a yes or no. So the 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 cards, they, like I said, the, these are all on cards. They're 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 available for free to download on a website in English and Japanese. There's multiple ways to play. We always try and put different modes of games into the game because people want to play the way they want to play. Um, um, so this is a simple yes no question. Do you sleep with your smartphone? Yes or no? Now, do now we need to think about the mechanics of the survey. Are people incentivized to be truthful? They are anonymous. Mm, I'm going to say people said yes. Yeah, I agree. And you're both absolutely correct. 76% of the people okay, surveyed said that. Let's do a decider. Should we just do another quick yes, no? Yes. All right, let's do that. Could you survive 48 hours with no internet? Could you survive? Like, would survive you Survive was the word, yes. And uh, li literally, well, in, in, in Japanese... Trying to remember the wording in Japanese, but essentially the word in Japanese was could you live without the internet for 48 hours? Okay. Is Bobby allowed to ask other people to Google his own name on his behalf? <laughs> um, um, I think most people would say yes, they can. Yeah, I, I would assume yes. In that case, uh, Bobby's won because you're both correct, but Bobby was, uh, oh no, no, Ollie's won. Ollie was right on the first one. So it's, 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 
3-2 to Ollie. Ollie was 100% the winner there. So, Ali, you used to be anti-board game. Has, has tonight's discussion kind of uh, taken away a little bit of that snobbery? Well, I was always pro Steven, so if he says it's fun, I'll join in. Also, I won, so that's good. <laughs> so speaking of, of uh, snobbery, we did want to talk a little bit about kind of the issue of making your friend choices and choosing your friend groups. Um, sometimes an immigrant here tends to go, well, I only make friends with Japanese people. Or sometimes you see the opposite. Do you see any issues between communities here limiting themselves to either just expats or just Japanese? Um, no. And to, to, to be honest, when there's a shared hobby, like it kind of breaks down those barriers in a way that like, like, you know, a lot of times you're trying to make friends that like want to be just international. And I think if you've got a shared interest, it kind of makes the friendship just more, more real. I always mm. joke that the, the only place I'm fluent in Japanese is playing magic, the gathering. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's because that's where people just talk to me like, like just another magic, the gathering fan. And that's sweet. And when there's lots of other foreigners who play it and it, you become part of a community, then, you know, you, your sort of foreigner starts to disappear a little bit. Mm. And we've, we've had Japanese people join our improv group. Mm. Do you know Japanese improv is a thing? That's fantastic. Is there an effect, though, where if you are a long-term resident here as a non-Japanese person, that over the years, you know, because people filter in and out, you start to lose better long-term foreign friends and retain or gain long-term Japanese friends. I can see how it could happen, but that's not my personal experience. It's absolutely you know? been been mine. I, like over the years, I mm. noticed, you know, my really good friends here go back and I find like when I count the people that I consider good friends on, on my 10 fingers, most of them are Japanese. And, right. you know, the ones that aren't just went back to England. I see. Yeah. <laughs> that is sweet. Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 81 of Japan by River Cruise. Thanks very much sincerely to everyone who's bought us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com. Please don't do so without checking out the extras tab. There's loads of merchandise still to sell. And rather than just give us money, give us money in exchange for something you can stick on your laptop. Thank you to our guest this week, Stephen Case. Stephen, it was great to catch up and to hear about your board game company. You too, man. It was really good to speak to you, Bobby. Um, you can find all those board games for free on uh, tanukigames.org in English and in Japanese. So check it out. Yeah, check it out. And we will see you here on the water next week.